Welcome back, college basketball fans. We took a week off, but we are back with a lot of good stuff this week. Buckeyes are finally back on our itinerary. Tim, what do you think about that? You know, I'm dying to get your thoughts because I'm able to talk a lot about this Buckeye Hoops team on our flagship station, 97.1 The Fan in Central Ohio in Columbus. But I want to hear what Evil Bald Colin has to say about the number 13 ranked team in America. It was looking like unlucky 13 as we're (laughs) rolling to you on a beautiful Thursday, January 28th. The Buckeyes won in Columbus over that that pesky Penn State team. They have just had Chris Holtman's number, but he didn't yeah. let any of that happen. That team fought hard and picked up a nice, solid win. No, yeah, you put it pr- pretty well. I, I think there's a lot we're going to get into with it. There's a lot of different avenues I personally want to go down because I, I say these things to myself when I'm watching them home alone, uh, but it's actually good <laughs> to finally get them back out into the air. I made my family disappear. <laughs> I can't wait, man. Let's do it. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! Oh! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! Tim, can you believe, and I think my math is correct, that there is single-digit amount of games left guaranteed in the season? Because there's a whole another topic we can go into is whether they're going to play conference tournaments or not. Right. But we're we're in the single digits. I can't believe it, man. And uh, Selection Sunday, we're inside of 50 days right now. Sunday, March 14th, Selection Sunday. Can you believe it? Like, I, it's... Unbelievable. You know, there's a a good article that we could get into a little bit later in the pod where uh, Matt Norlander, who's really dialed into the sport, he's another one of these guys, like a John Rothstein, who we reference a lot. He's just sort of the godfather of college hoops, Rothstein is. But Norlander was sounding a little bit nervous about the big dance being pulled off this year. And I'm not going that far. Like, he highlights a lot of pro. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm more nervous about the uh, conference tournaments. I think that's kind of, I I think this will get axed at some point, and they'll just go with the teams. For the automatic bids, at least, the teams that win the regular season. I, that would suck because. It would. Oh, I I love them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that later on, too, because that becomes a huge source of debate for college hoops fans, old school versus new school I think you and I, uh, we mesh so well. We just love more basketball. I mean, playing a game every single day, you get into that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's play, baby. I mean, you're playing for another conference championship. Those are big. You get to hang banners for those. Say you can't get it done in the regular season. That's the big one. I'll always hold that in the highest regard. You know, beating beating all those teams and being the best throughout the grind of the regular season, but to get another shot to pick up a title, I think it's massive and it's a way to get hot while you go into March Madness. So I'll I'll always fight hard for conference tournaments. But if you got to act something to keep the big prize, the big dance, then you got to do it. But 
I, I think it's a good thing that they have a million health and safety protocols in place. It tells you that they're taking it serious and they're going to do everything in their possibility to get it done. And the NCAA is paying for all of it. I'd say that's the big surprise and the big takeaway is that all the bus trips, because they're saying evil, if you're a school that's anywhere within 350 miles of Indy, you've got a bus and they're going to take you across like three buses. They're going to be spread out from like seat and row alike. So you'll have more than the six feet of space to stretch your legs and to be comfortable. You're going to, I saw something about how they want you wearing goggles. Did you see that? Like in no, addition to not. masks, they want you to wear goggles. Like what Michael Phelps, is he going to dish out swimming goggles to all these guys? Like, what are they going to look like? Things you'd get from the the hardware store from Ace or Home Depot. Like we're we're doing some some wood shop. Like what are we talking about? But it'll be interesting. I, I am still in the place where there's no way we're not seeing the big dance for the second straight year. No way. Yeah, no. I, I think just listening to what you said there and all the precautions they're taking kind of shows you their commitment level to making sure it happens. Because I've seen the numbers. I think it's like the hundreds of millions of dollars they've lost in revenue because they didn't have the tournament last year and like. 50% or more of their revenue, which is just an absolute killer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to do whatever it, it kill, takes to play that. It will kill the entity, I almost think. like they're. I think you're I, right. You, you got to love, like, Mark Emmer talking in the football sense. Did you see those comments from a week <laughs> or two ago? Yes, yes. How, you, you don't want to break away from us now. You know, well, why is that, Mark? Well, that would be bad for us. And we want to hold up that student-athlete model. It's just a, another just bunch of bullshit that you always hear from that guy. But the, the thing here, the line that says the NCAA, will pay for all travel, lodging, and food for every team in the tournament. That's almost That's like incredible. confetti falls from the rafters when you read something like that. Like, really? Seriously? So all the programs that have been hit hard by the pandemic, you and I have lots of friends in uh, the Ohio State Athletic Department that mm -hmm. was furloughed for this. Like, it's those people that you tend to forget about, not the coaches that are making big money. That's a, that's a big price tag. 64, 68 teams, you're paying for all of it? tells you that they need the cash coming in to have the event. Yeah, I start to piece together all the, like, it's almost treating it like little clues or details of why they're doing these little things. And, why, well, yeah, we'll pay for your food and all that. It's because, well, they want you to eat in a centralized location and your centralized hotel. And they're trying to create that bubble aspect. So I think they're willing to go the extra length to, you know, pay the cost for those certain type of things so that they can keep this structure that they need so badly in order for the tournament to go pretty much, I don't think it's going to go unhitched, but as best as they could. All right, so we wound up doing that now. The other, like, bullet well, points there yeah. is there's fewer referees. There's usually, like, 100, it says, for a normal NCAA tournament. For uh, There'd usually be 100 officials assigned to 67 games. This year they're going to try to do it with 60 referees, so that's a lot less. So they're going to be working overtime. And the bad call, I don't know. They'll be more stressed out. They'll be more exhausted. So the bad calls, I'm sure, will be ramped up at an all-time high because we never yell at that anyway when we get down to the final basketball games of the season for the teams that we follow. So that should be interesting. Again, uh, check it out. Matt Norlander hitting on that for CBSSports.com. But evil, please take me in to Buckeye basketball. I want your full thoughts on what this team is, where they're going, I think they got a pretty high ceiling. What do you think? They do. They do have a ceiling, but you ask me, what do I think of them? The honest answer is, is like night in and night out, I really don't know because it feels like at times in the games, you get a certain type of team, and then other times, mainly the end of the first half against Penn State and then a little bit into that second half, you get another version of them. I, I just think 
Consistency is going to take them a long way. Defensive efficiency is also a big thing. I, I saw they dropped from like 61st to 75th just in that game alone and defici- defensive efficiency in Ken Palm. So that's going to be a real trouble issue for me, at least when it comes to the postseason play offense. What I think they moved up to fifth in offensive efficiency. So it's kind of a little about bit. that? It's a little different than what we're used to with Holtman teams, which is why I think it's taking me a little bit more time to actually get comfortable with making a stance with this team because. I mean, if they can just score the, the way that they're doing right now, you can kind of hide those defensive issues. But everybody knows when it comes tournament time, you got to toss all those cards in the air. You really don't know how it's going to turn out for you. Can I just say something about you, though? And okay. every, everyone needs to, everyone needs to know this too. Like everyone that's enjoyed this podcast and listened throughout the the thirty two previous episodes that we've done here at Mad About Hoops, you are a big negative guy i know that about you <laughs> especially especially in the heat of the moment because colin does a great job he he works for the ohio state uh, uh, network god it's such a mouthful i've said it a million times and yeah. i still struggle learfield img college the <laughs> ohio state radio network from learfield img college there it is you do work for them back in the studio and i've been doing post-game shows for them so we are all hot-blooded we're wound up oh yeah we're watching these big 10 slug fests and we're reacting right you know as they're going on sometimes in the commercial breaks and then right when they're done and you're a browns fan so i get it (laughs) you've been beaten down by life and by sports you're always looking to broadcast the negatives and that's that's fine I kind of enjoy sports fans that are like that. You're extra hard on your teams, and you're you're aiming for perfection. That's what it's all about, winning the national championship. But with, with the conference this year, can I at least take you down the road of when Ohio State does show, like, two different sides to themselves in a given game? Mm-hmm. They're playing so well. They've had the red-hot starts here lately, which I'll take that. That's great to see. And, yes, that was the worst, sloppiest six or seven minutes of basketball that they played in the second half against Penn State. But what about the other team? What about Colin, the other team yeah. and what they are doing to you to put you into those situations? I, I really believe it. There's 13 really good teams in the Big Ten, and then Nebraska sucks. But 13 <laughs> of them, they can beat anybody on their best night. Yeah, I, I first off, I don't really know what to make of Penn State because they gave Michigan the game two up in Ann Arbor. So I, I really don't know how to formulate an opinion on them. I, I think they can be a pest as a defense, and we saw that last night, with, especially with their trapping and whatnot. Um, offensively, yeah, uh, offensively they just looked like they got hot in certain stretches. And I, I, I was sitting at home kind of just tipping the cap to uh, Seth Lundy, and then uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the other guy with the shoulder brace that he had it on. Uh, is it Miles? Myron Jones. Myron Jones. Uh, Myron Jones okay. hit missed the shot, the float in the lane. That's zero. I can't remember if he was the guy braced up. He had a shoulder brace on, Myron Jones? No. Or did Isaiah was, Brockington, was, the no, other guard? Not, Brockington was re- very good, but there was somebody else that... Uh, you had uh, Harar, the big guy, that mm-hmm. was doing some damage. And uh, um, Jamari Wheeler, the on-ball defender. I, like, I looked at Penn State, and I know what their record is, and you're not going to be able to get into the NCAA tournament if you're under 500. That just can't happen, but... With the lost games and with teams postponed for so long, I just think this year more than ever, you can have a team that has a really ugly record for whatever reason, but still could be a really solid team. And that that is Penn State. Like they're a pest, man. They when they want to, they can play. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I do believe with the conference this year, it's just get a win and get out. I've kind of developed a, that mindset more and more as the season's gone on. 
I, you can obviously be frustrated with the ending of the game, like the home game against Purdue and such not, but I, there's little lapses in the game. It almost feels like where they just kind of take the foot off the pedal and they make a lazy mistake or like a bad law that, you know, if you just come around the corner on that pick really well and you get it up there, it's more of a completed pass yeah. versus a tip away. That, like little that things is that true. just add up. That is true that you bring up. Those lob entry passes and I know uh, you're thinking of one that C.J. Walker tried to throw into Zed Key. Yes, that was right. just way off the mark. It was like three feet wide. And Dwayne Washington flip-flops. He goes back and forth from making an <laughs> incredible pass to then trying to do a little bit too much. Like he tries to throw those weak side lobs when they run some nice actions and get some ball screens at the top of the key. And then they look for that weak side cut to the basket where he hit it. He connected twice with Kyle Young, right? One was for the... Well, actually, Kyle Young went in with the offensive rebound that's that I right. thought was maybe the play of the year for Buckeye basketball in the first half. Well, I, I was just so worried. Amazing. I, I know with all the stress injuries he's had, I was yes. When he, when fell, he fell down like yeah. that, I was uh, I kind of cringed a little bit. Is Kyle Young for people that don't know yeah. that that haven't paid enough attention to Ohio State basketball? He is not one of these guys that will show up big in the stats department, but he's also no stranger to throwing a double double out there. Like this is no, someone that plays. 25 to 30 minutes of college basketball, but he gets no love and no respect on the national level. He's done amazing things with that arm tattoo. I mean, that thing's just growing <laughs> and growing and growing every single year we see him. It's on fire, by the way. But what a what a hard-ass player he is. Like, he is – his hustle and his intensity, also his skill level, just what this guy does, how he defends, how – you know, he can be reliable in stretches with his low post offense that's gotten a lot better. I'm I'm a lover of Kyle Young. Yeah, one of the biggest things, and I told you before the season that I was going to watch for is how they're going to utilize their big man with being undersized. And we've seen it quite a bit this year. They're not going to try to play the big tough game. They'll try to back down in the post for sure. I'm not taking that away, but they want to use their athleticism. They want to kind of get them a little bit further off the block, get them to turn, and then see what they can do with the big man that's going against them. And I thought we saw that a lot against Kofi Coburn in the Illinois game. They really exposed his lack of athleticism. But I think that's also the only game you really saw where they got pushed around down low with uh, Georgie Bishanis Vili and then Kofi Coburn with their offensive rebounds. I think that's really the only game this year where they've been just completely dominated on our own defensive side of the, the board. Uh, every other game, they've actually held their own really well. And I think that was a big factor going into the season. And I'm a little surprised by it, but it's a great surprise. They have willing defenders, even though their lack of size. Like Zed Key knows yes. how to position himself. Like that, he looks so small out there <laughs> with the guys that he's going up he against. Does. But he is really a powerful son of a gun. And only six seven, he does not have the height that you would want from that power forward. But man, does he use every ounce of his size and his height to his advantage? He boxes out well. He has a soft touch in there. He can go up strong with the basketball. With with Zed, and you mentioned the rebounding, Justice Suing is strong on the glass. Yes. EJ Liddell is a fierce rebounder. So is Kyle Young. Uh, Justin Ahrens has been a guy that I've seen hit the glass a little bit better. You're right there. The only two things for me that I question about the team is turnovers going forward, and I think, mm -hmm. that, I think that that'll settle down. I really do. They're getting into the meat of the schedule. Your nerves can tense up. You're just in a dogfight every single game. I think that's amplified a bit right now, especially with C.J. Walker getting healthier. And if Jimmy Sotos comes back, the turnovers will start to look a little bit more like they did at the beginning of the season where Ohio State, that was 
you know, one of the beacons of this team. You yeah, they're, they're on pace for one of the best team. years in Holtman's tenure here in terms of right, turnovers right. a game. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not you're not like Virginia or Villanova at no. this point. You know, Chris Holtman loves him some Jay Wright and Tony Bennett and the way those guys coach and play basketball. You're not that right now. The only other thing is de- defensive consistency. I've seen yes. him play a lot of hard defense mm-hmm. for full full shot clocks, but transition defense and just making sure that these newer guys in the system stop getting lost on ball screen defense yes, or down screens. Part. What you know that that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I was going to say especially uh, screens on the perimeter is where they've been getting exposed a lot. And you saw that in that Purdue game uh, where Justin Arns just got lost on like a, it almost looked like a double screen action, and then poof, there's it Ivy was. up at the top of the key. Moving, it was a moving screen too, but. <laughs> well. You can't really argue too much. He should have gone underneath right. it. He should have spotted where the three-point shooter was going and just go as the crow flies, just it, take a straight line up to the top. Yeah. It, it also kind of feels like with this team, they're much better in getting into their offensive sets and not as much as when and it cringes to see it every time I see it, but you see Dwayne Washington coming up with the ball and you know he's he's some way, shape, or form going to the basket or pulling up for a shot. And I, I feel like they, there's there's times where they you feel can't like, sense it when he's gonna do it. You, you can't. Like, oh, I know it. Yeah, and, I know it. He's doing it now. And it's a, it's a case of no, no, no. Yes, when he makes it. But right. if it, it almost sometimes, I, I kind of beg them to slow it down a little bit more. And I understand there's also aspects of the game where you need to push it. And you need to push the perimeter. And I think C.J. Walker did a great job of that last night, where he kind of made a cut across the lane on a fast break off of a really bad shot attempt uh, from Penn State. And took it right to the basket, and they capitalized. But sometimes I feel like they get a little too antsy with it, and especially from Dwayne Washington's angle, he tries to go a little too fast with it because then he'll lose control, and then there's just kind of wild circus shots at the rim, which I'm never going to fault a guy for being aggressive, but sometimes you just kind of you got to grow as a player to understand when to push it and when not to. Evil, though, I'll be honest. There was a point earlier in the season where my goal for this team was to – definitely get out of the first weekend it's it's been time to make a sweet 16 run for Ohio State basketball and this team's good enough to do it it was at the start of the year I, I was still saying that was my point but now I'm I'm ready to go there like this team's capability is the final four there I said it oh, wow that, do you are you not with me with who they, they what they've proven, yeah, their their yes. ceiling. I think is ca- Final Four ceiling. It can happen as they get better down the stretch. Do you disagree? To say they're capable is to say that they could go on a run, and I think yes, they could go on a run. But I mean, we're not talking crazy talk. That's what I'm trying no, to get across. No, no, no. Like it's, you can say, no. you can say 25 teams out there are Final Four capable. I'm talking seriously now. Like they're a legit top 15 team in America. They're staying there. They're going to stay in the spot and be thought of that and be fighting for a two to a four seed in the NCAA tournament and legit final four capabilities. They just they have so many pieces. They're playing 10 deep, Evil, and you can get a guy into foul trouble and you don't know when Seth Towns is going to pop up and have a great game where his shooting touches there, and he's a 6'8 body that can help you out. Musa Jallo can come in and play lockdown defense on another guy's shooting threat or someone who who is hot in the game. You've just C.J. Walker coming back in and pacing this team. Dwayne with his shooting hot and cold. E.J. Liddell sort of taken off to become a premier player in college basketball. It's just a lot to like for this team well in uh, a big thing about it too is i'm looking more on just a national landscape and i mean you're seeing you're not seeing any of the names you're used to seeing so i i'm just going down the list of ap teams right in front of ohio state 
Does Missouri seem like a lock to make a run? No. Right. Does West Virginia? That's a good point. No. Texas Tech? No. Alabama? They've looked good, but not really. I mean, at some point, it's like it seems like there's going to be a lot of teams you just really don't expect to make it. Make it. So why not them? And I really do like the other thing that I'm really serious about, and this goes for a lot of the teams in this conference. When, when you get to the tournament, and you're playing non-conference teams. Like, like, I can envision Ohio State smacking its first two opponents. Like, 20-point-plus wins in their first two rounds. Sure. Even if they catch a, a team that is, you know, ranked in the top 20 in that second game, I can really envision them because of what the Big Ten meat grinder has been this year more than past years, and we seemingly say that every season, but this year it's more, it's different. I can see a couple of just beatdowns where Ohio State and... Dude, we didn't even mention Justin Arns and how he is now oh, becoming... Yes. One of the most legit triple threat guys, triple threat, I mean three ball, the three-point threats mm -hmm. in America. Like, it's it's nasty when his confidence is up and when he catches it and shoots it and gets his eyes on the front of the rim. Like, good God, man. Diebler-esque right now. Yeah, no, I, I was I was going to go to him, too. Especially, I think he's around, like, 50%, just north of 50%, something he's around 50%. that range. He's better than 50%. Like, yeah, Diebler was the name I was going to go to, and I was kind of feeling cautious about that before last night, and then I'm watching the game, and I'm like... You know, maybe this is actually kind of something here. I mean, be, he, he's not just a spot up and take the shot guy. Like, he, you can see he can kind of create his own shot. Maybe not as much as most people, but he's starting to grow that aspect of his game, and it's really good to see. But when you're, you're talking about they could smack a couple of teams in those, those first couple of games in the tournament, I mean, I, I'm just looking at Lenardi's bracketology, and he's got Ohio State as a three seed, UC Irvine, who could, who's tripped up a couple of teams in the past, so... Who's to say there, but there are six. And I guess the first one goes without saying, you yeah. know, and that, that's not yeah. that big of a statement by me. I guess it's more about how I think they can whip that team in the second round because you're right. They're, they're holding form now to be a wild favorite in the first round because of how good they are. Well, yeah, you the, should smack the thing that team is, by 20. He's got Colorado as their sixth seed that they would face up in that second uh, matchup, and Colorado just lost to a Washington team that had like right. one win on the yeah. season. Right. Maybe I need to take the smacking into the Elite Eight. <laughs> <laughs> they can smack well, an opponent it, in the Elite your, Eight. Your four or five in that matchup is uh, Kansas is the five, and the UCLA team you beat is a four. Wow. So, I, I mean, it's... What about a rematch with the Jayhawks? There's some history there with Ohio <sighs> State and Kansas. Yeah, that uh, 2012 Final Four, correct? Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. The Jeff Withy game. And talk about how lucky we were to get that switch in terms of not playing North Carolina. You get you draw UCLA. UCLA is sure. a two-loss team. You're one of their you two losses. You hated it at the time. I like, did. I wanted North Carolina. <laughs> and it's paying off because North Carolina is really not turning out to be a whole lot. And UCLA, they're, they're not amazing by any stretch, but that's I think just how bad the Pac-12 is. Man, and just to say one more thing about Diebler, and again, like I've been cautious to throw that label out there sure. too, but it's hard when you think about guys that were just tremendous three-point threats. Diebler is the last one that felt like that where we are with what Arns has become this season. He's always been that, but he's been playing a lot of basketball. Diebler played a heck of a lot of basketball in all four of his years. Arns is just now earning his stripes as a junior later in his career, and I love it, though. I love the fact that we're seeing 20-plus minutes of Justin Arns and everything that he can do. He's got great size, too. I mean, for a six foot six dude to have that ability, to have that lift, and he can get a shot off above almost any defender out there on the perimeter, it's lethal, man. So, Buckeye basketball, watch out, everyone. Watch out, America. 13 and four. 
hovering right up there in, in contention for the Big Ten right now. And they've got Sparty coming to Columbus Sunday afternoon. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, man, I was low on Sparty for most people's sake, and even I was too high. Like, I, I don't, I think everything that I kind of believed in is coming to truth, even though it, uh, Hauser's obviously, he's he's doing what they need to do in the post, and he's he's filling this void somewhat, somewhat that uh, Xavier Tillman left. But Aaron Henry is actually playing pretty decent, <laughs> and he's he's kind of going on the path that you projected him to be, which You could is, tell he was going to be a beast. And I and I wasn't fully sure on that. Like I, I just felt like he was too inconsistent to, to really project that out, but he's averaging close to 14 points a game. I think the one that's kind of hurting them a little bit is Rocket, Rocket Watts hasn't yeah. really taken the full step yet, and he's not a double-digit guy. No, you're right. Rocket Watts averaging less than 10 points per game is one of the bigger shockers. It's one of the big shockers in it college is. hoops because I thought he was going to shoot off like a rocket, like his name. Joshua Langford being back has been a big thing. That poor guy, he's been out of mm -hmm. basketball for so long. A lot like the Seth Town situation, except for he's always been locked in and been a Spartan that whole time. They're getting stuff from Gabe Brown, Malik Hall. They but just I, have, a, I deep, believe they have a deep bench, too. They play a lot of guys. Yeah, but I believe Gabe Brown tested positive for COVID last week. Yeah, if but memory is, me right. depending on the timeline of that, could he be back? Because Michigan I State is— was a 17-day thing. Maybe you're right. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Again, things change on the daily so right. much. We don't want to do a whole lot of the COVID stuff on a podcast here with when someone can test positive and be right back. But as of uh, January 28th, as we're recor recording, Michigan State is set to play a basketball game against Rutgers. So it'll be something for the Buckeye fans to watch. So you'll have some fresh tape because Sparty hadn't played in a while. They should be fresh and ready to go. And they, they need a win. I mean, they're 8-4, and four, but... Soon as you want to sleep on Michigan State, I mean, uh, dig your own grave. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah. Do that. So a couple more things to do in the podcast. You will take a, a quick zero-second break for everybody listening. And me and Evil will have our uh, biggest surprise teams in the nation right now that we want to riff on for a few minutes. And a really interesting mid-major flavor to talk about as well. This is episode 33 of Mad About Hoops. All right, everybody, Mad About Hoops continuing on. I'm Timmy Hall. He is Evil Bald Colin. Please, uh, we would appreciate it if wherever you're listening to us, we're on Apple, we're on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, give us a little rating, give us a little review there. We see a few of them down there trying to grow this podcast. You know, a couple idiots here doing a college basketball thing in the middle of Ohio where college football is king, but we love the game. And Not we during have this time of year, baby. This is our, year. This is our time <laughs> this, of year. Right? And we get a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon now, too. So hopefully uh, the station we work for, I've been hearing some things for the people that are listening in the market that we're in. You should hear us doing some stuff on the radio. Like, we've been talking about that. Oh. Just fill in, fill in gaps on the All weekend, right. you know, between – national syndicated programming we'll have some some chances to do that maybe uh selection sunday special wouldn't that be great that would be amazing but i also think you, could, you gotta keep that tentative because if they cancel these conference tournaments which i hate to keep on going back to that i mean who knows when they do that would they keep it on that day or would they move yeah, it up yeah they're gonna keep it there well, it is selection, what it is. selection sunday i already hate how they're stealing our thursday that's just awful. Don't you hate that? Like, it's going to be Friday. Thursday. Yeah, they're stealing the Thursday of the the start of the tournament. Remember, they pushed it back. They're having it Friday, Saturday, 
and then Sunday, Monday oh, for the first and second rounds. I, I hate that. Th- that. Thursday is like the celebration of life in basketball. That's the day <laughs> where you, you everyone's working at home. I get it, and there's a lot of that, which would have made it even that much more enjoyable. That You're already working from home, and yeah. you just have your own TV setups, watching games all day. We're not going to get that on Thursday. Got to wait till Friday. Yeah, and I... Uh... I think the biggest thing I took away, because I missed that, because the biggest thing I took away is that they really didn't change the whole timeline of the first four, which I thought was a little odd, because they're still planning to do that in Dayton, right? Or are they going to do that no, in Indianapolis? No, that's not in Dayton. Yeah, it's all in Indy. So remember? it's all going to be there. It's all yeah. going to be there. Okay. Yeah, it's all, sense. it's going to be like, boom, boom. I think it's Wednesday, Thursday. Or yeah, maybe yeah. It's, two, it's either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. I think they're giving teams the a gap. Four. They're giving a gap for like a one-day gap. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and then boom, right into it, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. But that's all. You can all find that all online. Everything's right. out there about the NCAA tournament. We list, We talked about it on the last podcast, too, so you can check that out. Let me uh, let me hit my surprise team, and then I want to mm. hit yours and maybe spend an, another extra minute or two on the, the team that you're picking for interesting reasons. But So this is the team where we're – we're deep into the college basketball season now. And, you know, we gave our final four picks in a podcast way back down the list. You can scroll and find that where uh, I had Virginia, Villanova, West Virginia, and Memphis was my off-the-board pick for my uh, non-top 25 at the start. But if you look at the preseason top 25, you're looking at a team now where you're saying, wow, like I did not think this team was going to be that good or in this kind of position this late in the season. And mine, this is a coach that we've mentioned before that doesn't maybe get enough respect for what he's done at many, many different places. He's been locked into this program now since 2011. Mm -hmm. This is a dude with almost 700 wins in college basketball. Lon Kruger's Oklahoma Sooners, evil. Not a lot of talk about the Sooners, but look at the two wins that they just had, man. (laughs) You kidding me? Kansas and Texas, boom, boom. Top 10 wins. Texas was there, ranked number five. So huge stuff from Oklahoma that I'm loving. You know why I think this is a really good pick? Because I honestly really couldn't tell you a whole lot about their team. And I I think that's kind of a shame on me situation. But it's just, it's one of those teams in the Big 12 I really just haven't been paying attention to. And I probably should do a lot more because you nailed it. Yeah, they're just inside the top 25. They're what? I have them at nine and four here. I don't think that's up to date, but uh, besides they're the ten fact, and four, ten and they're four, ten and four. Ten and four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like Kruger's always been a really good coach. I just wish, and I to this day am just so disappointed he could not get more out of that Trey Young team. They are, they're not a team that's that flashy. No. I'll tell you that they share the ball well. Austin Reeves, who paces them, he's he's just the calm for Oklahoma basketball right now. 16 a game, five boards, five assists. He can turn the ball over a little bit because sometimes he'll try to do too much. But, you know, we, we talk about best players, right? And and what <laughs> everything that is asked of them and how you appear on opposing teams scouting reports. So I think that that adds a little bit into it when the turnovers. But uh, Davion Harmon, uh, Brady Manick, uh, Gibson, they – they only have three guys scoring in double figures, but again, like they play a lot of guys. They have a lot of dudes that are willing rebounders. They're tough defensively, and they're just grinding out wins. Like they are in a really good conference. When we talk the Big 12, I think they're a 10 team league, so you kind of have to judge them a little bit differently. But 70% of their league, seven of the 10 teams, really quality programs. Almost all of them are ranked that I listed off. And then TCU is the other one at nine and five. 
who you got to pay attention to. Like, if you're not ready to play TCU when they're on the schedule, you will get beat. Jamie Dixon will come in and get you. But, yeah, Oklahoma ripping off wins here against TCU, Kansas State. They just crushed. Kansas State's no good, and they crushed them like they should. And then beat Kansas handedly, and then beat Texas uh, with a tip in there uh, at the end to win 80-79. to So, really, really quality team for the Sooners. Who do you have? Yeah, so I kind of bended the rules on this one because they're eleven and two, and it really shouldn't bat you shouldn't bat an eye on it because they were a pretty highly ranked team, and I think that I had them in my final four actually, but it's because of how well they've rebounded after two really disappointing displays, and that was Virginia when they lost to the Dons of San Francisco, and then got obliterated by Gonzaga, which obviously today looks. Not, Not shocking, terrible, right? Terrible, yeah. but a, a, 20, <laughs> a 23 point loss is a 23 point loss. You give up 98 points as a team that prides itself in defense. That's no good. But yeah, no, they bounced back really well. I, I think they've got back to their roots. They're a very strong defensive team. They've held teams to 57, 61, 49, 68. So they're keeping teams in that bracket of where they need them to be in order to pull out wins. I honestly wanted to pick Georgia Tech and Josh Pashner. His team is just pulling off some amazing wins down there this year for a guy that looked like he was going to get fired before the season even started. I I really wanted to pick that. Clemson was also another team that I wanted to pick that. But when Virginia went down there, went to Clemson and beat them by 35 points, a team like that that's just, you didn't really have the offense at the beginning of the year, and now it's starting to pop out. I'm surprised at what Key Clark, uh, Hauser, there's, this team's really surprising. The, the fact that the matter is, is that they bounced back in the way that they did because I thought they were going to fall apart. And as you see with the ACC, that can happen in the snap of the finger because you saw it with North Carolina. Looks pretty de- decent at the beginning of the year. Not so much right now. Duke, okay early on. Not right now. So they've kind of held steady. Pitt's another team that could be in that same category. But just the ACC as a whole is just a roller coaster. Yeah, I am really excited to see their game against Virginia Tech, aren't you? That's coming up here on the 30th, 6 o'clock. Uh, Virginia goes on the road, so a little in-state rivalry right there with the Hokies. That's going to be a good one. They're kind of the two teams, you know, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Virginia right now, North Carolina, I know is starting to make some moves, but they've been down. The, just Virginia basketball in general, I, I think it's amazing. I really do. I mean, you know me. I, mm-hmm. I grew up in Virginia, so I know a little bit more about it, just watching the team through the years. And when they had Dave Lado as their head coach, they were nothing, man. Like, Virginia had big-time problems. They had no identity, football and basketball alike, for a lot of years. It was just bad for their fans. You're in a major conference and you'd just be a punching bag for everybody. You were only known as the smart guy's school. Why do you just have to be the smart guy's school? You can have amazing athletics as well. Now look at them. They've won a national freaking championship. Sure, they lost to UMBC, but I'm taking that transaction if I get a national championship win the very next season. Tony Bennett is amazing. He is a rock star. I even told Chris Holtman when had him on the Buckeye show this week that I... When I would think of Tony Bennett, I would also think of a guy that Chris Holtman could be a little bit like. And he he took that compliment and he ran with oh, it, by sure. the way. Of course. But this is amazing. In the ACC, to do what Virginia's doing, it shows you that it's not really so much about the program, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about the man. It's if you pick the right head coach and the smartest guy, the most brilliant guy, he can come in and take some risks. Like you talked about it in the break with what Virginia does and their identity and the style they play. That's exactly right. Not the most popular thing, right? But it works. It wins a lot of games. It messes with everybody else in the ACC and what the fits are. 
how do you do it, man? How do you get into a conference that has Duke and UNC and you're coming from nothing, a team that's just lived in the basement, and you're just stacking championship on top of championship on top of championship. Well, here well they are he's, again this he's year. doing a great job of what I think Holtman does is he recruits for what he wants. He doesn't go and get the flashy five-star that the Dukes in North Carolinas get that maybe don't fit how those guys want to run their system. They get who they need to run the system, and especially with the pack line defense, how you have to guard inside of that perimeter and force teams to shoot the three-point ball that's not a very. Some people think it would be an easy transition to just go to a different school and run that system, and that's not really the case because you have to train into the mind of these guys. Is it's better to give up the perimeter shot where they're shooting anywhere from twenty-five to forty-five percent versus the shot that's closest to the rim within twelve feet, which you can get anywhere upwards to like seventy, seventy-five percent. It's all a percentages game, and I think that's what Tony Bennett, especially his father, kind of uh, implemented into this system and. The same with Dick Bennett. Yes, yep. Dick Bennett. Yes, in the way that Holtman, the way that Holtman recruits the type of style of guys, maybe not the biggest guys, not the fastest guys, but smaller can play good defense and has the athleticism to gain advantages over the defense. I think that's how you have to go in this day and age when you're becoming a coach trying to go up into a position where you need to compete with the big dogs. You know, and it's like with everything. Once you get into once you get into a spot and you start winning then you can step it up and recruit oh, at a yeah. higher clip. And he's had some benefits there. And you've gotten a Kyle guy, right, who is a lethal shooting threat. Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter, guys like that. And then you win your national championship. And then you can just keep that train moving down the tracks. And that's what they're doing. Wrap it up here with a little mid-major flavor. And uh, back to that article we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, Norlander was pointing this out about how Fordham, boy, you can't get more mid-major flavor <laughs> than Fordham, right? So hats off. Jeff Neubauer stepped down as the head coach this week. But the point that the point that he was making is not that it was to the total fault of the coach right there at a 61-104 record. It's, it's the fact that Fordham is just not in the right spot. And the numbers right. here, he points to the Ken Palm numbers. Going back to the 96-97 season, their highest end-of-season finish is 127th. Average finish, 218. Mm. Never made the tournament since joining the A-10, and that's in 1995. Fans, I know there aren't a lot of Fordham basketball fans, but again, we speak fondly of when you live in a community, when you live in a town that has a nice small school like that with Division One athletics, it's a fun thing to be a part of and go out and enjoy a game. I used to, you know, I'm wearing my Weber State basketball t-shirt right now from when I went there for a year and lived in Ogden, Utah. It's, it's great stuff to go in and be a part of. Fordham deserves better than that. They need to maybe try and find a new home like he's suggesting. Yeah, I'm thinking of in my mind of like regional conferences, maybe like the MAC. The MAC or um, the Northeast. Or the Northeast, yeah. I, I the, think... The NEC, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest factors that we can talk about in that is we were talking about the figures that they were paying coaches and how they were only getting up towards to like seven hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars $750,000, which, I mean, in big-time boy basketball, and especially even in the A-10, that's just really underpaid. And I saw Jeff Goodman over at Stadium talk about how they are willing to go up to about 900000 which is, okay, you're making improvements, but at the same time, you're already working at a deficit not only in what you're getting in your coach and what type of talent you can get in a coach, but you're also dealing with the lack of facilities and whatnot. But I, I did see there was also 
if there's one glimmer of hope for that program is that a lot of coaches anonymously are talking about how it's a very good place to probably get started because the expectation is so low that you can actually get a few years in to kind of build what you need to to build that resume for yourself. So maybe with that aspect in mind, they could actually get something that's worthwhile for them. But yes, I do agree. A move to a different conference would probably benefit them. If I lived in the Bronx, I'd be all over some Fordham basketball. Just telling you that. Yeah, no. All over it. I think St. John's has done a very good job at profiting off of being in that area, but I do agree that Fordham has got has got to improve in that aspect if they want to be anything in the eight time. I'm just saying, like as a or as, as a, a fan. Fa- okay, I'm just saying fair. as a fan. You know, if you're a young person living in a, a place like that, you know, close to New York City in a big epicenter like that, like my my buddy, a buddy of mine lives in D.C. and one of the easiest things to get access to because they're always looking for people to broadcast them and amplify them is American University. And my buddy Jake, he does an American University Hoops podcast and hardly anyone listens to it, right, or watches it, but it's you're a, a basketball fan. If you're mad about hoops, you'll go and pay attention to things like that. And that's what's great about this game is that there are a million options out there and Hopefully Fordham is a team that can figure some things out and start becoming better. That's what it's all about. What uh, what else we got to hit on? The Drake. Drake's really good for mid-major Yeah, flavor. Drake. So the, obviously the Missouri Valley is always going to produce pretty good talent. But what Drake's doing, and I think they've had multiple stoppages, or they've at least had one. But to be 15-0 and in that conference, and you have a pretty good program also in Loyola Chicago who's challenging them for that crown. Um, the Ramblers, yeah, very they're impressive. Good. They're yes, because again. again, Northern Iowa, who I feel so bad for because AJ Green suffered the ACL tear. Um, they were my favorite to win the Missouri Valley, but obviously Jake has kind of stepped up. It just kind of feels one of those cases where it seems every year there's one conference with a team that just kind of goes on a hot run, and I think that's where we're at with them. Whether they can actually do anything postseason wise with it, I don't know. I really don't know a whole lot about their team, but it's it's still interesting nonetheless. 15 and 0 is 15 and 0. Oh yeah, that's, you can't knock it. That, that's all that's all you got to say. So, congrats to the Bulldogs for the hot start there. You've got Oh, Winthrop, uh, Shan- I think, I think Winthrop. Hemphill and Roman Penn pacing the team. They're pacing the Bulldogs this year. Yeah, I think Winthrop's also 15 and 0, something like that. So, that's a really good thing to see out of them. Yeah, that is fantastic. Winthrop's that hot? I didn't Oh, I yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, hadn't they, paid attention to them. Yeah, I, I heard Eagles, some, I heard they were like 15 and 0 or something like that. Yeah, that's another but that's actually a program that we've known has has caused some trouble postseason wise for a lot of these big dogs. They have. Yeah, that's uh am I thinking Winthrop or Wagner with shooter with the uh, not shooter. Spencer McGee, help me out here. Just a year or two ago. Uh, are you talking about Fletcher McGee at Wofford? Fletcher, Fletcher Wofford. Yes, oh, man. Yes. Wagner, Wofford, Winthrop. Yeah, Wofford. Sorry, Winthrop. I'm sorry, Kansas. No, Wofford is a— Fletcher McGee. Wofford's not really up there this year, but they do have a local kid out of Columbus who's playing on their team, and he's playing pretty well. So, yeah, I definitely have been tuning into that. Well, uh, I had fun on this one, Evil. Did you? Yeah, it's great. You know, it's always good to talk about the hometown team, but it, it just anytime we're talking about postseason lookouts or looking towards the future of— single-digit games in a regular season left. It just gets you more excited for a tournament we missed last year. Yeah, good hard look at the Ohio State Buckeyes here today, but definitely a lot of uh, branching out and checking out some other teams, talking some Oklahoma, talking some Virginia basketball as well. So it's always good, man. This was the 33rd episode of Mad About Hoops. 
Enjoy the basketball this weekend, everybody, and we will see you again next week. We are Mad About Hoops.